Hello listeners and welcome to the Unions 21 podcast. I'm Simon Sapper and with me is... Becky Wright, Director of Unions 21. Hello and everyone. Hello everyone, you're very welcome. Now this podcast is taking place just after the TUC Congress that we were so looking forward to last time we were with you. Yeah, we and were ecstatic. We were, we were getting very excited, <laughs> excited about it. Um, any particular takeaways, Becky, that you had from Congress? I Yeah, I um, so I was down for a night and a day. And I was really sad to leave, actually, by the end of the day, because it felt to me like there was a real buzz in the room, out, kind of outside Congress. Everybody was kind of walking around and talking to each other. I, I kind of found it was quite, there were quite a lot of discussions going on and sort of like... It felt like there was a bit of, uh, I don't know, change, a bit of kind of... Well, there was energy in the room. Yeah, energy. I I, I agree with you. I I would share that that view. There were, you know, there there was lots of interaction between the exhibitors and delegates and visitors uh, and so on. And there there seemed to be, there there really was a a buzz, whereas the last couple of years it's been, actually it's been really flat. It has been a bit quiet. Um, And that contrasted, I thought, with the mood inside the conference hall. Yeah. Whereas if it was buzzy outside, it was really... At first, you might think it was quiet, but actually, I, I think it was more kind of studied or studious—a kind of a, a sense of uh, of of what we're about, what the purpose of us gathering, of us existing are. And there was a, there was some there were some good debates and good and good motions, but but a real, a very grounded kind of feeling. I thought, yeah, definitely very focused, not sombre, but real, but really kind of like it, I suppose it was easily contrasted, where you had that kind of buzzy kind of chatter of outside with the exhibitors the minute you got inside it felt very kind of calm and like laser-like focus listening to what people were saying and reflecting on that and kind of thinking about what was going to happen next so it was it was really interesting to feel those two dynamics I thought as we were going uh, in, in you know as we were going through the day I think there were some there were some key themes that came out of Congress in, poli- in policy terms Brexit of course, because it's, yes, it, there's a, interestingly a real consensus, I think, in conference that says we should have a second vote. There was in our fringe. I thought, I thought the feel in our fringe was we need to have a second referendum, uh, to which I was a bit like, oh wow, I, I just need to get our project done. Can we deal with that after we finished our project? I mean, I've, I've, got, to, I mean, I've got to make clear, listeners, Unions 21 does not say there should be a second referendum. No. <laughs> Absolutely. No. You know, no, we don't. Uh, and, uh, but it was interesting that there was a clear, a clear view that. that I suppose the negotiations are going so badly if they're going anything at all that yeah. that there needs to be a scrutiny and a final say. Yeah, I, I, I have to say, I mean, I was really pleased with our fringe. I thought it was uh, well attended and there were some really interesting discussions that happened during that and kind of following on from the debates in the main hall. And, and for me, what, what has come out is just union members, union officers coming away saying the scale and the magnitude of Brexit is so much larger than what we thought and it'll, it has such a huge impact on all of our industries and when you kind of delve sort of deep, deep within it, it's just like a never-ending maze that you have to try and navigate around and, you know, Francis made the joke about, you know, the uh, Brexit ministers kind of not doing their homework and kind of coming in late for school uh but it brian strutton spoke at our uh our fringe 
about what his union, what Balpa, the airline pilots, have been having to do in order to keep the skies open so people can actually just go on holiday. Uh, yeah, the crazy thing he was saying, as soon as airlines are in a position where they would normally start selling tickets for beyond Brexit Day, March 2019, yeah. everyone's stuffed because they can't sell a ticket and knowing that they can't guarantee a service. Yeah. Uh, but on the other hand... Slowly but surely, you see, you've got the Cavendish Coalition dealing with health in, in England. Yeah. You've got the, the film industry getting together. Uh, we had spokespeople from PAC, the Independent Producers Association, at our Brexit forum a couple yeah. of weeks ago. And what Brian was saying about what's happening in the airline industry, clearly sector by sector, things are starting to piece together. Mm. The, the people who are nowhere near this are government. You know, yeah, government yeah. are just are, are conspicuous by their absence uh, from meaningful engagement in this debate. Yeah, and the link-up actually between the effect that all of this is going to have on the industrial strategy. So I thought it was really, I think, you know, the TUC's line is absolutely where it should be about protecting the rights that, that we've kind of won through Europe and keeping those workplace rights and making sure that you know, in place, I mean, any anybody that's ever negotiated with an employer will always tell you that the law is the bare minimum that you kind of seek for and then it's always about topping up. Now it feels a little bit <laughs> like we're trying to keep the, the legal where, you know, where yeah. it is, well, is never absolutely. mind extending up above that. Um, but there is, of course, another job for unions to do in terms of thinking about Firstly, what happens in their industry and how it's going to be affected by Brexit and what that means for their members and also internally what that means. And so that was it was great to have that continued conversation in our fringe following on from the debate. It, It was indeed. So that's kind of Brexit as one issue. The other issue that I think loomed large was... Uh, what some people, people like uh, Dave Ward from CWU, Tim Roach from GMB, are talking about a new deal. A new model of trade unionism, especially uh, bearing in mind Francis's contribution. In fact, let's remind ourselves about what Francis had to say. And because working lives change too, we can reinvent the trade unionism that works for the digital age. And that means that we've got a pledge to become, once again, a movement of, as well as for, young people. The staff who serve your coffee, clean your hotel room, deliver your parcels and look after your brand. The young mums and dads punished with zero hours contracts and shift patterns that make uh, planning and paying for childcare nigh impossible. They need unions, but most aren't in them. Not because they don't share our values, but because too often we see their little two 20th century, maybe, too distant from their lives. So we've spent the last 12 months stepping into the lives of younger workers to find out what kind of trade unionism would really work for them. And in our 150th year, we want to try something new, built from scratch, co-created with today's uh, 20-somethings. New ways to organise, new ways to network, new ways to win. So that we become a movement for everyone. Yeah, I mean, I actually felt that the fact that we were in our 149th Congress possibly added to that feeling within the main hall that we now get 
you know it's like every big milestone birthday you tend to reflect and look back and think what have I done with my life and where am I going and it sort of feels a little bit like we're getting to that we're we're reaching our 150th birthday and everybody is now talking about well what's the next 10 years chapter yeah the next era the next chapter but then you know never mind what is the next 150 years going to be it's actually the question I think is well what's the next 10 years going to look like and and what what defines us in that new era what defines us in that new chapter well as you say leading the charge on this very much has been dave ward of the cwu and we'll hear from him later in this podcast about what his union's view of what a new model of trade unionism looks like it's not quite the same as the motion that they put in 72 which got carried which was a real kind of kitchen sink and everything that the tuc must do to reorientate itself to make sure it it can deliver some of those four objectives that Dave spoke about and what I have to say is I mean I I said last podcast I'm really looking forward to seeing that and hearing that and kind of us as a movement starting to debate that so it was really good that um, they had the fringe as well the evening before to expand a little bit more on it what I find really interesting about that motion now even more so is that it's not about answers Yes, it's yeah. about questions, yeah. and actually, that's a really important thing. Is when we know the the questions we need to ask ourselves. That's the hardest thing ever when you're reflecting on what you're doing and where you're going to go. It's actually what are the real questions we have to ask of ourselves. If we go in always thinking we've got the answers, then potentially we're going to completely kind of miss the ball. Well, that's the that's the point that that Dave and and, and Tim Roach, who we'll yeah. hear from in a moment as well, were, were making at, at that meeting, which, which is which is it's not a question of one more heave. It's not a question of uh, it's not a question of well, you haven't heard me, so I'll ask the question again, but speak louder. It's, <laughs> it's just that, that try it, and test it. To you me. know, it's not it's not going to work anymore we've got to do something different and the the density figures uh, the membership stats yeah. show that we know we know that 29% coverage in collective bargaining less than 5% of 18 to 24 year olds are are, are are union members even though they make up 15% of the workforce we've got to get there we've got yeah. we, you know we've got to think smarter we've got to look at how we how we present ourselves yeah. and how we speak to people yeah yeah and you know i don't want to kind of preempt some of the stuff that dave said sort of further on down the line so I'll kind of let his him speak for himself but I do think this is now about us thinking about the future of unions and I, and how very apt that they, these are the sort of things that we're looking at as well and what I would say really interestingly is we ha- we have kind of uncoupled and yet coupled the question of what do we do in terms of organising young people and encouraging young people to be part of a union and what is the future of work and what are the future of unions because while I think the two things are linked they can also be a little bit separate so you've got a, Simon's got for those of you obviously you can't see because this is a podcast Simon's got a slightly quizzical look on his face <laughs> <laughs> so you know we I've often thought about industries in terms of young people might cluster in a particular industry at a particular time because it might reflect other kind of uh, circumstances that they're in. I think that's less the case now. I think the whole world of work is is kind of up in the air. But I don't just think it's about encouraging young people no, like I, within that particular demographic. So I, I think agree. it's got that thing of like we need to be talking about how we uh, encourage young people to be 
involved but you also need to be thinking about kind of what new industries there are or what existing industries there are with a change of job that affects us and sometimes the two will be linked well, I think sometimes it, they'll be coupled well, apart. I mean they, they come under the same umbrella don't they I mean I would I, I think I disagree with you about the world work being so up in the air in the sense that as the TUC's Young Core Worker Project has shown there are there are certain s- sectors that are Intensely disproportionately populated by young, young, yeah, young workers, I, yes, retail, hospitality, and, 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 and so on, and they are the areas that are hard to recruit, hard, yeah, hard, yeah. hard to reach areas. On the other hand, as our changing world of work report, which is available on our website, showed, we know we've got a very good idea from the research we've commissioned about which sectors are going to grow, which ones are going to are going to, are and going that's to why we buy it up in the and end. and. The joke, the, 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 joke, the, joker, the joker in the pack, of course, is the extent to which automation will come in, AI will come in, and, and make certain jobs more important and more numerous than, and absolutely wipe out other jobs. Right? Yeah. So, so, uh, so you're right, because actually we need good work for everyone. We need good jobs for, for, for everyone. No, I mean, I don't think the two things are mutually exclusive by any stretch of the imagination. But I, I do, and I, I think it's right to focus on both of those and sometimes they're going to overlap and sometimes they're actually going to be a little bit separate because you'll also be looking at industries where young workers won't be there in the same numbers as they are you know so take for example like IT professionals we know that IT professionals are going to be uh, a growing industry it's going to be one of the six industries that will grow in the next five to ten years now that will affect in order to do that job you need to have certain qualifications and certain amount of experience so you won't necessarily fit into that young core worker group that you're sort of that, talking that's not about no absolutely not and the work the work that actually unions 21 is doing with sperry isn't yeah. it is looking at is looking at people at the the higher skill level end you know with the 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 the, the level the level that you need to be, have training and accreditation to get to get to it yeah. as it were to see what the future is going to look like for those for that sort of work yeah no and and also i was just sort of reflecting on the fact that you know the t's you know in, in the tc's definition of being a young being in the young workers forum was under 27 but other unions have varying uh, uh, definitions of yeah, what I'm young laughing. workers I'm, are. I'm laughing because the Scandinavian, some Scandinavian unions have got 35, and there's there's some talk about raising it to 40, um, which is yes, which is still be a young uh, worker. Yeah. <laughs> so, but you know that ship's long sailed <laughs> for me. I have to tell you, listeners. Um, so, okay, and uh, but we've just received some some outline research as well, haven't we, uh, on on the question of the barriers to. To, to entry and the challenges that that we need to meet yeah we, what I should say is one of the things that we're going to be working on over the next kind of six months with Sperry is young core um, young professional workers in the economy and therefore kind of young workers within unions of that particular kind of demographic because the TUC is already running their their project and obviously we don't want to uh, replicate work but uh, we've been doing some stuff with Mel Sims who is at the moment at the University of Leicester I, I kind of to use an old expression a friend of the parish uh, who uh, has done some stunning work over the years on industrial relations and organising and one of the things that Mel's been looking at is kind of the international dimension and aspect to this and we're going to be releasing that paper I'd say in about three weeks' time, 
and following on we're going to do some case studies from the UK so that unions can really see kind of some of the challenges about organising young oh, workers. I look forward to seeing that, yes. Yeah, no, it's really cool. And but just to kind of give a little bit of a snippet that I think we might need to start thinking about is we need to be thinking about leadership, about how people learn to be activists and leaders, kind of um, that there might be structural issues in terms of people getting involved. You know, if you've got more people who are in precarious, self-employed type work, well, how are they going to get... How, how do you make them active? Or how do you kind of include them if your branch meeting is always uh, a particular time every day and you suddenly get a, uh, a job or you start... You can't go to that anymore. How do you kind of engage people? And just... One of the things I find really interesting because I suppose at heart I am a whole worker organiser and I think we should organise around the workplace issues but I also think sometimes the burning issue is not always directly in the workplace, it's sometimes outside. Mm -hmm. For sure. Yeah, and um, and so she sort of asked a bit of a question about whether unions should actually start to campaign around broader issues that affect people and be seen to have a very good voice on that so it's kind of like if we're the voice of people at work that's our usp as unions but actually if increasingly people are having a wider kind of range of issues which then go on to affect them at work how do we how do we do that and i have to say it's not that we're not doing that you know unions do do Stuff on neurodiversity and education and some housing, housing, yeah. housing and is welfare. The, is, the classic, and is the classic thing that you know, my, my old union, the CWU, we you know we had we had a dedicated, detailed housing policy on the basis that this poor housing was was an issue that came up time and time again when our young members discussed the the, con- the concerns that they had. And poor, poor housing is such is is kind of in the middle of such a network of issues: health transport access to work uh you know if you if, if you live in rubbish rubbish accommodation then you know how you know how well are you going to sleep for example yeah, yeah, like how yeah. ready for work are you going to be when you turn up up in the morning all all that sort of sort of stuff um you can't uncouple these issues and from an organizing point of view if we can be as relevant to our members in their communities as we are in their workplaces that embeds us in society in a much more secure way so it's i think this is in, inevitable yeah so so that'll be so i mean that's the start of some of that research that would be quite interesting to see where it goes okay right that's 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 interesting stuff this is and um, you know it'd be interesting to see how that marries up with other stuff because as i say it, that, that sort of community-based trade unionism that's that's kind of meat and drink to a number of unions already yeah, yeah. so how so what does that actually really mean again sure. and how does that all kind of work but one of the things i think we should possibly start also thinking a bit more about is this whole idea of a new deal which is the bit of the buzzword that was coming out as you sort of said uh francis used it in her speech dave uh ward was talking about it tim roach was talking about it actually i heard a lot of the conference delegates talking about you know what is that kind of new deal and i'm really excited for us to start actually developing that i think so and i think what i liked about that cw motion was was it committed the tuc to being as inclusive as possible in developing this common platform Mm -hmm. and and that's that's important that's where unions 21 support unions and us as an organization itself need to have a thought about what does that new deal look like but look, let's hear from Dave uh, Ward of the CWU as he set out 
exactly what he has in mind by a new deal, uh, a new model of trade unionism. Uh, here he is uh, speaking at the joint CWGMB fringe meeting that was held on Monday night. Causes and we have to be part of that debate as well. But we're the trade union movement. And what we've got to do is fight for a new deal for all workers in this country. And I have to say that you have to have a plan to do that. And our plan is very, very simple. Agree a common bargaining agenda, one. Two, make sure that we can publish a manifesto, a trade union manifesto, on what constitutes a new deal for workers. And we can all put input into that. Three, let's get a million workers out on the streets next year fighting for a new deal for workers. And finally, four, you have to have a plan that can agree some deliverable activities and action. We've got to translate the words into some meaningful action, but action that can be delivered, not put your head down and run them. Yeah. And I'll finish on this point. There's a lad standing at the back there. I'm saying a lad, he looks quite young, Eddie. He got up the other day and he sort of spoke against the sway of the TUC and he made a point which I understood about Brexit. And my point is this. You said, Eddie, you said, what do we exist for? I've heard Mary say it as the president. Uh, there's a theme of people saying, what does a trade union movement exist for? And I can't help but think it's about fighting for a deal for workers. I love the because actually it is a common flag to rally around. It is a common hymn sheet to, to, to sing off. The, the process of developing, agreeing and promulgating the New Deal it, it carries with it huge energy and uh, potential to reach out to our members, to, you know, to, to the wider community. So I think it's a very exciting possibility. And I, you know, I, I hope that we, everyone, not just unions, twenty-one supporters, but everyone, can get behind it and and, and make it happen because it, it's one thing to say, but yes, it's another, it's another thing to to do. Yeah, 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 yeah. And in terms of reaching out, um, one of the other things that, that that came across at at, at Congress was. Campaigning. I mean, obviously, TC always makes an award for for campaign of the year and and, and all, all the all the rest of it, but. I was struck by something that I heard about uh, about a virtual meeting mm. taking place over Facebook. You know, I think that's a, a relatively new idea. But when I heard that this virtual meeting was watched by 60,000 people, I thought, I need to hear more. That's amazing. So, 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 so I went to speak to the guy who organised it, Chris Webb, Head of Communications at the CWU. Sorry, it's a bit of a CW fest. Sorry about that. <laughs> They're not even a Unis 21 supporter yet, though hopefully that might change. Um... And this is what he said. The brains, the power behind the Communication Workers Union communications channel that, that Owen Jones has described as by far the leader in the field at the moment. So with me is Chris Webb, the head of comms. Hello, Simon. Really glad to be with you. Great. And, and April O'Neill. Simon. When you hear that sort of stuff, Chris and April, you must think, ooh. I mean, I mean does it, is it scary when you get people like Owen Jones with his mass readership and audience say these are the people you need to pay attention to yeah of course it is it's nice as well um for owen to say that and um but i suppose you know april and i and all of the comms team would say is that that's not our objective you know i thought it's really nice and you know and everyone likes a, a pat on the back now and again the objective is to connect with the members and connect with the public and connect with politicians and and start to change the the, the workplace and i think 
we're doing that, and if on the back of that comes some plaudits, then, then that's good. So, I mean, April, before we start recording this, you were telling me about um, a, a, a virtual members' meeting that the union held last last night. I mean, can you, can you remind listeners of, of, of what that was and how many people participated? Yeah, we've done a live um, Q&A uh, with Dave and Terry, and um, we also had a signer as well, which was quite helpful, and got a lot of good feedback from that. Um, and I think we had about 60,000 views. 60,000? 60,000. Goodness gracious. I mean, that... that, that and that's before people start presumably sharing and, and it recycling. Yeah. Wow. That's the Tower of Babel, isn't it? 60,000 people speaking, as it were, all at one time. How, how did it work? Yeah, so, I mean, it, was, it is complex. There's no way of getting around it. And, you know, when you, we, we did open it up for everyone, and there were people who didn't get their Pacific question answered because the volume of questions, we actually had 4,000 questions during the hour. So it's a phenomenal. You're not going to get all of them. But we were able to group in, so, you know, people were talking about pay. A lot of people asking about pensions. A lot of people asking about term, term legal protection. So we grouped questions off to make sure people felt that they were engaged in the process. But what was fantastic for us is that, you know, as you know, with social media, it can be a breeding ground for abusive comment oh, yeah, and negativity be. as well. But out of those four thousand comments, we perhaps had less than single, uh, only single figures of negative comments. It's absolutely phenomenal support from our members. That is, that's really, that's really encouraging. And I, I mean, that's not. The only thing, because I think earlier in the week you had uh, an, a national gate meeting. I mean, for, for listeners who aren't uh, familiar with the term, a gate meeting, it's, it's like a workplace meeting. But, of course, the postal workers, they meet outside the gates of the, the, the sorting office or, where, or wherever. So, so a national gate meeting was 700 locations? Yes, yeah, so 750 in, in total, so, which is fantastic. But I think what, what the gate meeting day was probably the best example we've got of how we're the way we're trying to use social media. Because we, we picked up in the um, 2010 general election that social media turned into a bit of a bubble because if you watched the commentary at that point we'd have had a Labour government you know yeah. and then all of a sudden we didn't and, and everyone's left scratching their head and who re- realised that we were talking to ourselves and we were going on to it but what we're trying to do take that support you've got online there and go and talk to someone in your workplace in your street in the church in, down in your local community and actually take the message out and I think that was what was so phenomenal is our following on Facebook and Twitter took those messages back into the workplace and you know, our hashtag is rise up and people did rise up and to have 800 meetings and to put that in context we gave three days notice of National Gate Meeting Day so it was a phenomenal turnaround so it, it, it's, it really is the modern equivalent of, of the leaflet whereas the rep would go into the workplace and say read this leaflet, people are going into the workplace or, or they're saying electronically to people have a look at this yeah, they are but, and this is where I think you know we perhaps are ahead of the game we're also giving them the leaflet via WhatsApp, via Facebook, via Twitter, and saying print this off and put it in the workplace. So we're doing both. We and, and crucially, I suppose there's a call to action there, isn't there? It's not. I mean, obviously there's a call to action because you've got an industrial action ballot uh, k- kicking off. But there's a call to action. Don't just watch this. Do something with it. Yeah, that that is that is the, what we've said. Whether it's our, whether it's our publications, whether it's our videos, whether it's our press, our whole activity now as a trade union from the comms department is based on us saying to people look here's a load of information but the final line is always this is what you can do so for example in the Q&A last night we went through hundreds of questions with uh, Terry Pollinger and Dave Ward but finally the final question 
was what members could do to help us win this dispute. So we, we always look to get someone out of it as well. I mean, that's, that's, that's really impressive. I mean, just in terms of the logistics of 700 gate meetings, how, how, I mean, because we don't have 700 national reps. Um, I mean, we've probably got 700, you know, we, I know the union has got about 3,500 branch reps, but so how? how? Well, we've, we, one of the things we've done during this dispute, which has been... I would probably mark it as our most successful thing we've done is we've created a WhatsApp broadcast, a two, two. So one for members and one for representatives so we can send a broadcast of key messages straight to, to, to them. So we've got 1,500 reps in that broadcast and 11,000 members. So we'll say, so we, those 1,500 reps all received a ton of literature, information, engagement on how to hold a gate meeting, give them speakers notes, giving them advice, giving them posters for the reps to, and members to hold up. And then obviously we pumped that in to the members group in a different angle saying, We've told your rep there should be a meeting. Ask your rep, speak to your rep. Yeah. So, you know, we the WhatsApp group is is, is a WhatsApp broadcast. Sorry, is a really powerful tool for the union. So, um, so what next? So our next move is we're going to project a massive vote yes onto Royal Mail headquarters on Thursday evening at eight o'clock. So we've got a huge stunt. So April's going to come down with Charlie and myself, and we've uh, we've hired a company, and we're going to. Onto Royal Mail headquarters late at night. We're going to put a video of hundreds of our members around the thousands of our members around the country uh, campaigning for a yes vote. Goodness gracious, that will be something to see. I mean, we look forward to do not just if you can't be there in person, you're sure to see it yeah, on Twitter yeah, and Facebook yes. and, uh, and, and so on. That's excellent. In terms of the logistics, I mean, num- and num- numbers of people who will be listening to this will think, "Oh, that's great." CW probably puts tens of hundreds of thousands of pounds into their commerce department. You know, if you've got that sort of money, you can do it. But it's from the way you're talking, it sounds like it's. It's working smarter, not more expensively. Yeah, yeah, I mean, like, if you look at, you know, what we're doing, so Facebook doesn't cost a penny. Uh, we, haven't, we haven't paid for any advertising during this campaign. We've got 60,000 views on the live Q&A, 80,000 views on Terry Pollinger's last message to members. We're probably expecting to top 100,000 views on his um, ballot day message directly to members. We've, uh, we've reached over a million people on our Facebook page in the last week alone um, Twitter's gone absolutely crazy the WhatsApp group so no it's, it is work, it's working hard as well individuals like April and Charlie are putting in a lot of hours to, to, to get the results but you know it, it's about engaging with people some, but it's, we're also now I think we've reached a point where we've always wanted to be which is to say use social media to engage in the workplace so, so we don't have that bubble we actually carry those messages and people feel empowered because we have got offices without reps but now they're getting that information on social media and they're walking and they're sharing it with their colleagues. Isn't there a risk, though, that, that actually local reps may say, well, I don't need to do anything, actually, it's all being done for me, you know, that, you know, April and Chris and Charlie, so we'll just send the message and I don't have to do anything. And you, you, you... I think the opposite. I think, yeah? yeah, I think the opposite because I think, you know, and it's not a bad, it's not a bad thing, it's not, this isn't the intention, but there's a little bit of a competition now. So if if my delivery office next door to me puts a picture onto the union's Facebook place with a hundred people outside of it all voting yes, and I haven't done that yet, then I'm embarrassed, and my branch yeah. is asking me, and it's not then it's not a local issue anymore because the whole country sees who's doing what and who's doing. And a great example would be I was speaking to Mark Dolan, one of our colleagues in North London. North London, a real stronghold of the union, and he said this dispute campaigning this dispute has been easier than him forever. He said because. When he's gone in in the past into North London delivery offices, they've said, yeah, we'll support the union, but what's the rest of this country doing? Or are we on our own? And he said, and now he's able to walk in and say, you've seen on Facebook the whole country is behind this union. You've seen hundreds of pictures. He said, and people know. 
there's no question anymore of whether it's a London thing or a big city thing. Everyone can see that the whole union is, is, is supporting it. And so I actually, I think it's probably the opposite. Of it. It's a little bit of a com- competition going on that day, you know? Well, that's well, that sort of competition yeah. is good, for sure. April, Christmas, thanks ever so much for joining us. Best of luck with the, with the dispute. And so, Becky, now. what's next for Unions 21? It's been, I mean, Congress is always a busy time, but and, and you've spoken about the work that Mel Sims is doing and yeah. our stuff with Sperry. What else is on the horizon? So there's a couple of things that... Uh, we're going to be working on in the next few kind of month, couple of months that people want to like, keep their eye out for. We'll be having some blog posts which we'll be starting to get out our thinking of the future of unions, which we're hoping will also influence unions' ideas and what a new deal is and Absolutely. how we work through that. If you haven't read it, if you haven't read it already, read David Arnold's latest blog post on the Unions Twenty One website. Yeah, it's really, really good stuff. Yeah, and it's a taster of what is to come in terms of the work that David, who's our senior fellow for the Future of Unions project, is is developing, and I think it's going to be you know a really fantastic piece. Uh, I'm going to just trail this now that we think that might be the theme of our conference next year in March. Mm. So, which would be quite. You heard it here first. You heard it here first, everyone. Uh, so, that'd be really great. Um, we've got a, a masterclass on Brexit coming up in November, which details will be on our website that unions can sign up for. Uh, that will basically be about how do unions internally handle the whole idea of Brexit and what's going to happen. So we're also going to be um, pushing out our work on trade unions online. We had our digital masterclass uh, in June of this year, May, June of this year, uh, where we kind of trialled some of the findings from our trade unions online project. And that particular report itself will be up in the next few weeks so people can get a load of that and can have a little look at the uh of what the results of that particular work was as well as we'll be putting out some case studies of unions such as the cwu's fantastic sixty thousand facebook viewers about you know really good work that's being done by unions online so that unions can kind of like learn from each other and this is all part of that kind of digital unions project digital labor project where we're just trying to increase our kind of knowledge and understanding of what everybody else is doing and there's more and there's more and there's more and uh, by the end of november we'll, we're just going to put this one out there we're going to be running a series of citizen assemblies on young union activists around how they engage with their unions and what their issues are at work and what uh, they think of our upcoming research. Wow, that's, I mean, that's a full programme going forward. And we would love to have your input. We'd love to have you involved. If you're not a member or a supporter of Unions 21, it's dead easy and it's really cheap and great value for money. And whether that's you, whether you're a, you're a union, uh, a national union official, or whether you want to join as an individual member, the details are on our website, www.unions21.org.uk. If you've got any queries, questions, suggestions for what we can cover in future websites, email us at info at unions21.org.uk. We really do want to hear from you. Uh, and know what you think and how you feel about what we're doing and what we could do next. We'll aim to have another podcast in a couple of weeks or or so. So until then, this is me, Simon Sapper. This is me, Becky Wright. Saying thanks ever so much for listening and goodbye. Bye.
The Unions 21 podcast was hosted by Simon Sacker and Becky Wright and was a Makes You Think production. 